in ways more than an entrepreneur and a business owner, it's showing up fully human. And you can only do that if you respect yourself first. And I find that when you say no, people respect you more. The clients that I said no, not right now to waited three months. Welcome to Queer Hustle, where we talk to the hottest up-and-coming queer entrepreneurs about growing businesses, creating dream lifestyles, and taking care of each other. Your host, Michelle Coyle, sits down to work together to explore what's possible when you approach business with full authenticity. Hey, everybody. This is Michelle Coyle, and this is Queer Hustle, where we showcase all the most awesome queer entrepreneurs. And today, we have Anna Hetzel with us. I'm so happy to have you. Do you want to introduce yourself to the crew, Anna? Sure. My name's Anna. I use they, them pronouns. I'm based out of Columbus, Ohio, in the heart of the very flat Midwest. I am a conversion copywriter and community strategist. Awesome. So tell us, first of all, what is conversion copy? Because when I hear the word conversion, I get a little scared uh, as a queer person. <laughs> oh, what's a copy? Oh. <laughs> I never even connected that together. Absolutely not that type of conversion. Uh, the type of conversion where you go onto a website or a sales page or a landing page and you convert someone to a sale. So I think of copywriting not as an arm of your marketing team, but it really should be more of your sales team. My job as a copywriter is to make your sales work better with words so you don't have to do all of the heavy lifting. So that's conversion copywriting, not queer conversion. That'd be horrific. <laughs> We're converting the sales. We're not converting to anything else. Okay. Converting the sales. <laughs> <laughs> we cleared that up. Who, uh, who are your clients mostly? Great question. I usually work with, not usually, I only work with service providers, generally well-established. So they've been in business for a few years. They have a whole mix of services going on. And I'm a service provider, so I know how this goes. All of us have way too many ideas and we try to execute on all of them at all times uh, because it's exciting because we're a service provider because we love what we do. But that also means in our brains and even on the sales call, we're like, okay, what do I, what do I pitch? What do I say? Like, which, which one, which one? And you're like constantly trying to like do this, like mental gymnastics of like how to know where, what to say and when. So what I love working with service providers is the main job of what I do is untangling their services. So sitting down, asking a bunch of questions. I love using Miro, which is this online whiteboard app program. It's so much fun moving all of their ideas around and putting them into the right buckets and making sure all of their services are positioned against each other from the messaging to the deliverables to the pricing, because you don't want like your group coaching offer to be more expensive than your one-to-one service. That wouldn't make any sense. And how do I write copy for that? I can't because it doesn't logically make sense. So just making sure everything connects. So they have an ecosystem that works. And then I take all of that and I make a sitemap and I write the website for them. So the website copy is the copywriting bit. That's the end deliverable. I feel like the conversion part is figuring out the back end. Like, how does this all connect to each other and talk to each other? Uh, the gateway drug to what really needs to happen. And I feel like all the best businesses kind of have the the hook, people, what they think they need. And then what it turns out, like what they really need. And that's what we really do, right? Right. People hire me for website copy and what they get is like, sales strategy. I feel like same, same, you know, people hire me to, to grow their businesses fast. And what they get is like a whole lot of mindset shifting and a whole lot of, uh, MBA shit. 
Yeah. You know, you have that moment where you're like, they're so ready to like, let's get to the copywriting or let's grow my business in your case. And then you're like, first, what's happening? Why? Answer all these why questions. And there's like that moment of, I don't want to answer these questions. And then slowly the like curtains start to open and they go, oh, wait, no, I'm here for this process. Yes, this is helpful. We got to untangle those knots before we can do anything. Before yeah. We the, the growth and the conversions can't happen without that untangling. Absolutely. I love what you're talking about, about the entrepreneur with all the different ideas. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Who are you talking? We like to call it being a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Okay. It's okay. We're all like this. And, and the reason that a lot of us are entrepreneurs is because we have a lot of cool ideas and it can be really, really hard for us to get focused and to narrow down on that. First of all, that one thing. And then, okay, now can I add another? And I try to make my clients kind of do one thing for about a year before they start adding another and ooh, they hate that. They want to do 30 things at once, but doing 30 things at once is what keeps us stuck sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's, I have a lot to say on that subject. Um, so balancing my work and my life has always been my number one goal. I work to have a good life, not to make a lot of money. And when it comes to deciding what to say yes to, which creates that imbalance because I want to say yes to everything. I like, I have so many ideas. I have all these people that I want to help and I want to help them all, all at once. And like that, that's totally unsustainable. That's where burnout comes from. And so deciding that one thing that you're going to focus on, so important. I use this tool uh, that I call it my do it later bin. So when I have a really fun idea, I'm like, oh, I really want to do it. And I like, I'm frothing at the mouth and I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, wait, 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 wait. My number one priority right now is to build XYZ. This can happen next quarter. And I have a post-it note on my goals board. I'm like, I'm not saying no to you. I'm saying later. And that like lets my creative brain relax because the worst thing to do to a creative brain is say no to something. It's like, it's like painful. It's like pulling teeth. So it's just like, no, I'm just putting you aside for now. It's not a no. It's not right now. We do that in our business too. We call it the squirrel pile. So it's like that goes in the squirrel pile. We revisit the squirrel pile every quarter and say, do we want to pull anything out and do these projects? I see behind you that you have some very organized looking post-it notes on your white. And for folks that are just listening to the podcast, Anna has some very organized looking post-it notes on their whiteboard behind them. They're all color coded and everything. They are. So I've got five buckets. I've got business, personal projects. Projects is my own personal project. So uh, I'm trying to write a novel. I'm trying to work on this nonprofit that I'm on a board of, uh, the farm. So we've got some family land an hour south where I like built a tiny cabin and it's a ton of acreage and it needs a lot of work. So it's just like things that I need to do there, like add gutters to the cabin. That seems important. And then house stuff, like fix the floor. <laughs> And then I've got a yup pile. Like I did these things. So it's like the satisfaction of moving post-it notes and then my do it later bin. I love this whole system and I may just like copy it exactly if that's okay with you. I yeah, think. I can take a picture of it and you can <laughs> share it. You can share it or email it out or add it to the Instagram or whatever. I, this works great for me because it reminds me that my life is more than my business. Like we have all these other things that we want to do. And I think it's so easy as an entrepreneur to just like, tunnel into this is all I'm doing and this you just can't think of anything else and this helps pull me out of that like cyclical business brain oh I love it absolutely and, and please do share it with us in fact quick plug you can share it in the queer hustle Facebook group 
Uh, and if you're listening or watching and you're not in the Queer Hustle Facebook group and you're queer and you hustle, you should be in the Queer Hustle Facebook group. So come in there and you will get cool things like this, uh, like Anna's awesome whiteboard system, which I really want because I too am juggling lots of things, right? Work, parenthood, uh, house projects, friend stuff, family stuff. You know, we've all got a whole bunch of things going on. And you're right. If, you, if we're not careful, balls start to drop and this gets really, really difficult. Yeah, it's almost, so there's this one point in my life, in my life, in my business life, when I was just, all I was doing was working and all of my, I'm, I'm like half introvert, extrovert. So I have to be really careful where I put my energy and I was putting all of my extrovert energy into my business. So meetings and events and networking events when those are, were allowed. And I wasn't seeing my friends at all. And my, my partner was like, you know, Anna, maybe you should schedule friend time. Like you schedule work time. And I was like, you're right. Uh, so now it's, I have a weekly call with my best friends. We have bi-monthly board game nights with our little COVID pod. Like it's being just as intentional with my business as I am with the community outside of that business, because without those friendships, without that chosen family, I mean, nothing is possible. Absolutely. And I love this whole thread. I think we talked a little bit before about, you know, your business grew really fast. You got really busy. You said yes to everything. And then you were making lots of money and that was great. But also the rest of your life kind of went down the tubes for a minute. And it's how do you restructure, get that balance? I'm like you, I calendar everything in my life. And it's, you know, it's a little bit more rigid than I would like to be naturally. But if it's not on the calendar, it's not getting done. And so my workouts are on the calendar. My date nights are on the calendar. Uh, everything at work, my time to do meetings is on the calendar, but also my time to work on things like work time is blocked off on the calendar. Otherwise it would never get done. Yeah. So ever since I started my business, I quit very, I worked in corporate. A little bit of my backstory is I randomly fell into the digital marketing space on accident. Um, if you ask any copywriter how they became a copywriter, all of our answers are, I was doing it and I didn't even know it was a job. Uh, you just kind of fall into this profession. So doing some digital marketing, working in-house in a corporate job. And we were on vacation one, one summer and my partner was like, Anna, you hate your job. And I was like, that's not true. I love my job. <laughs> that's bullshit. She was like, no, you hate your job. You like the people you work with. And I was like, fuck, you're right. <laughs> and so from there, I'd spent three months just really focusing in on, okay, I want to build my own thing. What does it look like? Did a lot of research, did a lot of studying. And part of that planning was setting aside what I want my life to look like. So what time structures do I have in my day? I generally try to theme my days. Uh, do you know what theming days is? Yes. I have only recently come to this and I fucking love it. So go, go on though. This is my favorite thing now. So theming your days, there's all these theories about time management. And as a creative, time blocking never worked for me because it could be that I'm writing a website early in the morning and then my brain farts and I can't do it until three o'clock later that day. And time blocking doesn't work in that system. So theming your days is putting everything in a bucket. So for example, on Monday, I'm doing client work and usually I do one project a day. So Monday is project one and I do, I schedule all my calls for project one on that day. I do all of the writing for project one on that day. Day two is personal business development. So I send out my weekly newsletter. I attempt 
to post things on LinkedIn without having a panic attack. Um, I reach out to people. I do prospecting and sales. Wednesday is another client project day. Thursday is another client project day. And Friday is either don't work or do professional development. And that helps me organize my time. It helps me schedule things properly. It helps things make things really clear actually for my clients where I can be like, you are my Monday project. Congratulations. And they're like, oh my God, Monday. And then they know everything that they're going to get from me is going to happen on Monday. So they're not bugging me on Friday going, um, hey, hey, what's this? What's going on? It's like, nope, you're my Monday project. I'm going to look at this on Monday. So it theming your days helps you with creative slumps, but it also helps you say no. And I think that's the thing that we're not really taught as entrepreneurs. We're taught when to say yes, like try new things, be adventurous, go crazy. We're like, no is not a skill or a value that's really talked about when in reality, the more you say no, the better you are as a business person, as your services develop as you like not go crazy trying to build your own thing, it's all about saying no. Absolutely. And I think your no is a gift and we don't talk about that enough. People are very afraid to say no. Um, We're very afraid to upset somebody else. We're afraid that we might close the door on an opportunity that's good for us. Your no is a gift. It's a gift to the other person or people or organization is a gift to yourself because nobody wants you to show up at a party that you don't want to be at. That's how we get resentful. And that's how we become a person that other people don't like, and it's how we like start leading a life that we don't like, you know, and all of those things. It's like, how much of our life are we doing out of obligation? Now there's some shit that you're going to always do out of obligation. If you're a parent, you feel me, um, that you can't totally get out of, but a lot of our life is so under our control. And that control starts by saying, do I really want to do this? Am I going to be able to show up excited? And if I'm not going to be able to show up excited, 80% of the time that needs to be a no. Yeah. So, so going back to, I think one of your questions, I'm just like so excited and jumping all around, but, um, last year during the pandemic around March, I was doing all this mindset work of like, okay, everything's shutting down. My business is going to just like die a little bit, but that's okay. That's why I have this, oh shit bank account. Like I can still pay myself the salary that I pay for at least six months. Like I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Like I can spend this time and like do my own projects for my business. Sweet. I need a website. I'm a website copywriter and my website sucks. It's like that phrase, the cobbler's kids has no shoes. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then my business exploded because I didn't really think about like, well, duh, everything's changing. People need words. And what do I do? I write words. And so I just doubled. Everything was crazy. It was hectic as hell. And it was exciting because I was seeing numbers and prospecting and selling at numbers that I'd never done before. But it was also like, I'm exhausted because on top of my business doubling, we're in a pandemic, which means you're in a constant state of fight or flight always or freeze. So it's just depression, anxiety, or everything else in between that. And trying to run a business that has broken outside of your normal processes and systems and trying to rewrite them as you go. So you don't totally lose your mind. So going back to the whole no thing in November, uh, I borrowed this idea from my friend, Marshall Shorts. He does a November, like N-O, capital November, And for the whole month, you decide what you say no to. And so you can say yes to other things. So for the whole month, I took zero calls, not even from my clients. I did 
zero client work. I said no to events. I said no to buying new programs or courses. I didn't engage on social media that much. I said no to a lot of things. And that month I just spent figuring the shit out of my business. And that was amazing. And I think that the more that we give ourselves permission to say no and frame it as I'm saying no so that I can say yes to this. And I think that's that's where we we miss that step. We're like, I'm just going to say no. But remind yourself the gift that that no is also giving you. Yeah. I'm saying no so I can say yes to this. I'm also saying no so that I'm not showing up to something that I'm not fully present for. I'm also saying no because it's okay to set boundaries and it's okay to take care of myself. And sometimes if I say yes to everything and everybody, what am I saying no to? Me, right? I'm saying no to what I need. I'm saying no to my self-care. I'm saying no to my family. I'm saying no to my rest time. You know, we only have so much capacity as humans. Yeah. And showing up in ways more than an entrepreneur and a business owner, it's showing up fully human. And you can only do that if you respect yourself first. And I find that when you say no, people respect you more. The clients that I said no, not right now to waited three months. And I think that that's a lesson that we have to remind ourselves. Like if you say, hey, no, I'm fully booked or hey, no, I'm really busy or hey, no, I can't do this right now. One, they're like, oh, wow, this person's legit. They're booked out cool. I'm, I'm willing to wait for that too. Great. I feel a lot more comfortable working with someone who knows how to manage their time, which is a big fear when it comes to service providers of, can, do you, can you actually get this done in this timeline? Do you actually have a process for this? Because it looks, especially with creative work like copywriting or design, it can look, it can feel magical when you get this deliverable, when actually it's like a super messy process. So just giving that assurance of, I value myself and therefore I value you and I'm going to show up and I'm going to say no when I need to and say yes when it's right. Right. Because if you can trust my no, you can trust my yes. And that's important in personal relationship too, right? I need to know if what I'm doing is not okay. I need to know if you don't have time for it right now. I need to know if you don't like it or whatever. And same thing, I'm going to give that to other people. Um, my boundaries are always a gift. I love November, by the way. I'm going to totally like take on November as a personal. I'm learning so much from you today already. November is amazing. It was it was awesome. Actually, I had a little little group that did it with me, and we're gonna do a no nonsense spring because we're just still really tired. So we're all saying no to different things, but extending it for a couple months just to remind ourselves like what it means to prioritize ourselves, uh, which it's mindset, it's, it's energy, it's passion and letting that passion be funneled in a way that just doesn't fizzle out. Because I think as an entrepreneur, you have all this passion, you have all this energy, but if you're just going at 150% all the time, it's uh, totally unsustainable. Absolutely. We've started working in the concept of sprints with ourselves and our clients because Sometimes you do want to go full throttle, but it's like, you got to put a time parameter on that. So it's, yeah, we'll go through full throttle for six weeks on this. And then there's a vacation at the end of it. If I'm going six weeks hard, then I'm taking two weeks off, you know, or what does that look like? Or if we're going one week hard and we take a day off at the end of it, you know, where, where the ease has to come back into it somewhere. So it's not about never pushing the gas pedal. It's just, you can't push it down and leave it down for years. That's how people like have heart attacks. <laughs> lose their marriages and everything else, right? Yes. You have to give yourself breaks and 
plan that as part of your project planning. And I think that's where like year planning, quarterly planning, you forget, okay, if I succeed at this, what is my reward? What is my gift to myself? Even if I don't succeed, what is my reward? What is my gift to myself? How do I celebrate literally anything that happens? Because we suck at celebrating as a culture. We suck at it. Um, So how can we celebrate and be okay with patting ourselves on the back and not feeling like an egomaniac? Because we're not. We just did a good job. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. I love everything that you're saying. And I'm thinking about this spastic energy that we bring as entrepreneurs um, and why it's so addictive because for at, at, a, at a time, right, when you first start out and you're bringing this energy, it will get you to a certain point. It's kind of like running on sugar. Like I can eat cocoa puffs for three days and I can be really energetic, but like on the fourth or fifth day, my body's going to be like, you should have some protein, right? <laughs> like crash. This spastic energy will get you started. People will like it. People will respond to it and you will get to a certain point and then you will get to another point where it ain't going to work anymore. And it sounds like that's sort of the point that you hit uh, when your business doubled during the pandemic. What was that moment that you were like, okay, wait a second. Things have to change. Things have to be different here. I'm not okay. I'm trying to decide which moment. (laughs) I think for me, burnout is a slow disintegration. It's not a, I hit a critical mass and then just fall apart. It's a very slow, oh, all of a sudden I noticed that maybe I'm not sleeping very well, or I haven't been exercising, or all I'm doing is eating takeout and not cooking. And I love cooking. If all I'm doing is eating takeout, something is wrong. And just kind of noticing the warning signs, because I did hit at one point, before I started my entrepreneur life, I did hit true burnout where you like miss all the warning sides and then just crash in the most spectacularly horrible fashion. And pulling yourself out of that space is so much harder than being more mindful of those little signs of, hey, something isn't going on. Something isn't quite right. What do I need to do to put the brakes on? And that's why November happened because I was like, I have all of these like red flashing lights going on around me. I need to, I need to say, whoa, oh, oh, okay. Okay. Before I just plummet into despair. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's such an important point because it's not like this is a, something that happens once like, oh, we went too far. We burnt out. We learned our lesson. Now we're out of burnout and we never burn out again. It's like, it does. It starts to creep back in. And you've got to start to recognize those warning signs. And this will happen over and over and over. And at every new level of the business, it starts to happen again. And you have to readjust and, and change how you do things. So what got you here isn't going to get you here. But also what's what's working right now isn't going to work at the next level of your business. For sure. And usually burnout is a sign of not that you're overworking, but something that what you're doing is misaligned. So you're doing something that you're not super excited about anymore, but maybe you feel like you have to keep doing it or it's your bread and butter, but it's not actually your bread and butter because you haven't looked at your numbers in a while because you've been too busy to look at your numbers and and just giving yourself a time to realign. And it's something that I do when I'm feeling those warning signs is I look at my calendar and what I have booked and planned and notice what I'm excited about and what I'm going fuck about. Because those moments where I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do that. That's something I need to get rid of. Or that's something I need to say no for right now until I can readjust it to make it work for this new iteration of myself. Because like, as entrepreneurs, we're just phoenixing every day. Yeah. 
And it's sometimes it's just like, like, is that a today thing or is that a, a recurring theme, right? I may show up one day with PMS and I might feel like fuck about everything that whole day. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't do any of those things anymore. It means like I'm having a bad day that day. But if it's week after week after week, the same recurring meeting is giving me that feeling, the same client, the same employee, the same uh, friend, this friend, you know, <laughs> you ever had a friend that you kind of were like, wait a second, why did I even like, why do I even like this person? Why? I mean, that's harsh. No, but it's true. Your existence and you're letting them be there. And then you realize I'm not actually getting anything out of this. Yeah. It's kind of funny that speaking of, of friendships and, uh, and relationships, there's, there was this weird sideways gift of the pandemic where there were, there were certain friendships where I was like, I'm surprised I'm not reaching out to you right now. That's interesting. I, and it's, it's, there's been a beauty of the pandemic of helping people focus in hopefully on who really matters, not what, because I think in our culture, we focus a lot on what instead of who, and my belief in how I run my whole business, like my theory of change is the more we focus on who, what just happens. Um, but we focus on the relationships. We write words that create connection that make people feel something in a way that is authentic and not like sales swarmy. Cause we all know that bullshit. Um, but like actually make people feel seen. That's what matters. And when you're hitting that burnout, when you're hitting that exhaustion, if you haven't been nurturing your relationships, you're going to be alone in that space. And even when it's really hard, reaching out and asking for help is the biggest thing you can possibly do. And it's something that I'm learning how to do every day. I suck at asking for help. I have this thing in my brain. You know, a lot of us entrepreneurs are real control freaks. We're real bad at letting anybody help us do anything. <laughs> so bad. But like the moments when I ask for help, shit gets done, Right. I, I'm supported. Someone checks in on me the next day and is like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, oh my God, you thought of me. I'm feeling a lot better. Thank you. And there's this like relief. And so if there's any lesson to be taken away from this podcast, it's like, go ask for help and like learn how to notice when you need it. Bootstrapping is totally dumb. Bootstrapping is a lie. Bootstrapping is bullshit. And you can put that on a t-shirt and I will sign it because I'm a hundred percent aligned with that. This, this 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 idea of the hero entrepreneur that does it all on the, their, their own and never takes any help, never uses any leverage or debt, never hires anybody, never, you know, it's, it's bullshit. And it puts a lot of people in a dangerous position. I coach a lot of people out of this position where they're in a strategically precarious area. If, if something happens to them, their income is going to stop. Um, and that's not what we want. And that involves leaning on other people, friends. Yeah. And like that whole like bootstrapping unicorn startup, whatever, that's like such a white cis het male narrative that I, I feel like we have a leg up as queer people because we're better at community because for a lot of us, we have to create our family and we understand what it means to invest in relationships in a real and authentic way. Because if we didn't, we would, we wouldn't, be mirrored anywhere. We wouldn't be seen anywhere. We couldn't talk about our experiences anywhere. And so I think that that is, that is a hidden talent and like secret skill that we should all use more. And we do, but like also recognize that it's a skill to celebrate that we're not bootstrapping unicorn entrepreneurs that like growth hack everywhere. There's no such thing as a hero that never asked for help and never got anywhere without anybody else. And we are more powerful in community. I know you're working on community stuff. We work in community too in, 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 at, at my company. 
you're creating communities and you're also teaching people how to create communities, right? So it's a little bit meta. Do you want to tell us about your community work? Uh, sure. So I've been a nerd about community my whole life. If you can't tell, I'm all about like relationships and connections and reaching out to people. And for I've been in youth groups and I was a camp counselor and then I was head camp counselor and then I was a counselor for the youth group that I was a part of. And it's a secular youth group, so non-religious, just a group of high school students getting together to talk about issues that they want to learn about. So everything from abortion to the prison justice system to fracking, like they choose the topics and then the adults create a program. And the goal is for them to like leave knowing more about the topic. So when it comes up in the high school hallways, they feel really empowered to be like, no, I know about this. This is my values. This is what I know. And this is what I believe. And watching how transformational those spaces are and then experiencing online business communities and thinking this fucking sucks. (laughs) Like online business communities are generally spaces that are ego-led, transactional, promo-heavy, And there's not really a chance to create true, uh, like real relationships with each other. And that's what we want when we want community. And there's this huge rise in course creators and masterminds and group coaching. And like everyone is creating a community around their business, which is fucking awesome. Like community is the reason why my business doubled last year, because I put all of my energy into my relationships and those relationships came back. Right. But creating a community that's intentional, that as a facilitator or a leader, you don't consistently burn yourself out trying to like get people engaged that helps people understand what are the expectations? What is the pricing? What is the model? Like who's allowed in here? What is the code of conduct? Like as a queer person, if there's not a code of conduct, back away. Like, right. We're not safe. Yeah. We're not safe. And I could rant a lot about code of conducts, but I'm going to focus on communities for a moment. I think that there's a need and a want. There's a lot of good hearted people that want to create transformative online communities around their business. They just have never been taught how like community is a word that we throw around everywhere, like pandemic or unprecedented, right? Community. It's just another word that we hear all the time, but we don't actually think about what it means and what it actually takes to build something that is sustainable, that feels good, and that eventually kind of runs on its own. And so thinking about the ways of how to design a community experience that you feel good facilitating, that you feel good handing off the moderation to, that your members understand what they're there for and how to create those connections, that's something that really interests me and really excites me. So I just created my first ever group program. It's called Community Camp, which I'm very excited about that name. I like came up with it while brushing my teeth one day and I was like, oh, that's it. (laughs) And it's a four-week mastermind where every every single week there's a workshop and 30 minutes of co-working right after where you'll, from the big idea brainstorming that we do, you'll go and fill out this worksheet that I've created to help you start actually implementing all these ideas and create and design that community. And it's really exciting. I'm starting my first beta run in a couple weeks and I, I'm beyond excited about it. And, and if it feels really good because I feel like I've hit on something that's really needed right now. One, because communities are the hot thing right now. Two, this thing sold out in like six days and I didn't even post it on social media. Like this is needed. And so it's just really exciting to find the thing that you feel like you can do ad infinitum. 
which is hard to find as an entrepreneur. You're like, oh, I could probably do this for a while. And then I'm going to like find something else. Like this is something I'm just like, put this on repeat. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And if it, you're watching, you're listening and you're thinking, wow, Anna's selling out in six days and business is doubling and everything else. How are they doing it? Because they're finding the fucking need, right? And you're aligning with exactly what people need right that second. And that's what you're doing as a copywriter for other people. And that's what you're doing for yourself. And this is where it is. It's like when the need is there and you're meeting the need, the business comes. That doesn't mean we have, we don't have to do any marketing. We don't have to do any sales. Like, obviously it's not fucking field of dreams. You've got to market, (laughs) you know, people need to know about it. But when you're really hitting that need, you'll know because people will be calling you up and saying, how can I work with you? How can I do this? And that's the demand creation that a lot of uh, folks that are just starting out are missing on how to do so. Yeah, I think it's knowing the need, which is 90% active listening of here, like going onto those calls and going into events and reading blogs and reading in between the lines of like, what are they feeling right now? Like, think about that. Like, what is this person feeling? Because you deliver on the feelings of confidence. Any service provider, what they do, what do they deliver? Confidence, no matter what designer, coach, copywriter, we're all delivering confidence. So the best ones understand how to tap into the emotion that someone's feeling. So understanding the need, but then also just consistency. And even the the most successful entrepreneurs show up every day in the best way that they can. And when they can't show up, they give themselves forgiveness and grace and take the day off and binge watch Netflix all day. That's absolutely okay. That's totally okay too. You should do that more. But showing up consistently in the smallest ways creates huge changes and it takes time. The whole like, I built a business in a year and now it's a million dollars is like, yeah, but you had like five businesses before that or you just changed the name and then now this name of the same business is now at a million dollars. Like, be honest, like this is really, 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 really hard work. But I think just tapping into the emotions of the people around you, having real conversations, not sales conversations, just real conversations, and just showing up consistently is I think the best to do. Absolutely. And I agree. Thank you so much for this real conversation. Anna Hetzel, so awesome to have you on Queer Hustle. This was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. And everybody else, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Queer Hustle. To read the full show notes for this episode, which include a summary, timestamps, and any links mentioned in this episode, please visit michellecoyle.com slash podcast. There, you'll find the information from this episode and any past episodes. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com slash queer hustle. Until we meet again next week, go out there and let it shine.